Have you ever wondered what it's like to kill a man? Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Episode 4 of Sinister Souls True Crime here on Crypty. Like, share, subscribe, follow, etc. Please. You can find us on TikTok at Cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube at Cryptique podcast, and Cryptique merch is available at CrypticPodcastStore.com. Tonight we'll be covering the case of Gary Sudbrink. In the year 1993, a time when Gary held the esteemed rank of an Air Force captain and was dedicated to his essential duties within the realm of medical pharmacy, he found himself stationed in the vibrant city of San Antonio, Texas. This was a period marked by his unwavering commitment to his role, diligently contributing to the health and well-being of his fellow servicemen and women. It was amidst this professional commitment that a remarkable series of events unfolded, creating a unique tale of intrigue and curiosity. During the crisp days of February in that year, Gary embarked upon a journey that was shrouded in secrecy and spontaneity. With an audacious spirit, he orchestrated an unannounced expedition, one that would carry him across the vast distances from the warmth of Texas to the enchanting allure of Long Island New York. The purpose of this unexpected voyage was clear, to reconnect with cherished friends and reunite with his beloved family, an endeavor that held the promise of heartfelt moments and shared memories. Geary chose not to disclose his imminent arrival to his friends and family, opting to preserve an element of surprise that would later be intertwined with an uncanny twist of fate. As he traversed the skies, the anticipation of his arrival was met with an eerie realization. It appeared that forces beyond his understanding had already gained insight into his clandestine journey. Upon his arrival at his parents' welcoming abode in New York, Gary's heart was filled with a sense of familiarity and comfort. Eager to share his presence with a longtime confidant, he dialed the number that would connect him to his dear friend, Mike. To his bewilderment, the conversation that followed took an unexpected turn. Mike recounted a conversation that seemingly transpired a day prior, a conversation detailing Gary's arrival at LaGuardia Airport and even alluding to a budding cold that had yet to take hold of Gary. Puzzled by this inexplicable account, Gary's confusion deepened as he grappled with the dissonance between his actual journey through JFK Airport and the narrative that had seemingly preceded him. Mike's decision to abstain from spending time with Gary, driven by the perception of an impending illness, stood as a stark manifestation of the mystifying forces that appeared to intertwine with Gary. As the mysterious discourse between Gary and Mike unfolded, a sudden interruption manifested in the form of a call, waiting. The shrill ring beckoned for Gary's attention, pulling him away from the ongoing conversation. Guided by an inexplicable instinct, he seized the opportunity to embrace this new connection. With an air of anticipation, 
Gary's hand grasped the receiver, and his ear was greeted by a voice unlike any he had encountered before. A deep, mechanical resonance that emanated an aura of otherworldly presence. The dialogue that ensued was as perplexing as it was unsettling, the words uttered by the mechanical voice dancing at the fringes of comprehension. Undeterred by the surreal nature of the exchange, Gary's determination to document this inexplicable encounter surged forth. Positioned nearby, an answering machine stood poised, a silent witness to the unfolding riddle. Without hesitation, Gary's fingers found their mark, pressing the record button with a sense of purpose. In this moment of convergence between the ordinary and extraordinary, Gary's actions bore witness to a union of mysteries, a journey that had begun with secrecy, blossomed into the warmth of human connection, and now transcended into a realm where the boundaries of reality and the inexplicable blurred into a mesmerizing tapestry of possibilities. As the mechanical voice's resonance faded into the ether, the room retained an air of palpable anticipation, a testament to the profound enigma that had woven its threads into the very fabric of Gary's narrative. Call 1 came Monday, February 8th, 1993 at 10.30 p.m. and lasted about 3 minutes and 45 seconds. It starts off with Gary saying, I'll tell you who it is. The voice says, Hello. Gary says, Yeah, do you want to speak to him? The voice says, Is Gary Sud Sudbrink there? Gary says, Yeah, who's this? Steven, are you playing games with me or what? Huh? Steven, if you're playing games with me, I'm going to kick your ass. And then the call unfolded. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long will you be being impersonated by the other voice? Right. When am I coming back? Is that your question? Okay, there was a break. Hold on. You want to know when I'm coming back to Texas? Oh, is that your question? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long am I going to be back from Texas? That question doesn't make any sense. Okay. I'll be coming back eventually. Um, I can't tell you when. You should know that question, the answer to the question, because you seem to know more about me than I do. You know what I'm saying? Are you an intergalactic uh, person? Are you uh, an, a space alien? Sounds like you hung up. I can't believe this. And it wraps up with Gary's dad saying, It's, he hung up, Gary. Gary responds, see if he comes back. Dad says, all right, I'll hang up. And Gary says, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, man, I'm calling Mike back. In the intricate web of familial bonds, Gary finds himself situated between two brothers, each contributing their own unique thread to the fabric of their shared story. A year his senior, Stephen possesses an air of maturity that has long been a constant presence in Gary's life. Meanwhile, Brian, the younger of the trio, 
by a span of five years, infuses their dynamic with a youthful exuberance that injects a refreshing vitality into their interactions. Yet it is Stephen who occupies a central role in the unfolding paradox that would eventually entwine itself with Gary's reality. While the mantle of prankster was not one traditionally attributed to Stephen, the initial assumption that the peculiar phone call was a manifestation of his mischievous nature seemed logical to Gary. After all, sibling dynamics often manifest in unexpected ways, and attributing the unexpected to a familiar source can be a natural response. However, the story takes a more cryptic turn when reminiscing about a separate yet equally unsettling event that unfolded a few years prior. Long Island, a geographical nexus of these inexplicable occurrences, hosted not only the recent strange phone call, but also a past encounter that bordered on the surreal. The stage was set during a journey to a wedding, a joyous occasion marred by the intrusion of the uncanny. In this twist, Stephen's perspective takes the forefront. As he embarked on his route to the aforementioned wedding, a casual glance revealed an utterly confounding sight. Gary's vehicle, a familiar embodiment of his brother's presence, pulled up alongside him. The ensuing moments were painted with absurdity as Gary contorted his features in a bizarre display, capturing Stephen's attention in a manner both perplexing and bewildering. As swiftly as the peculiar scene manifested, it dissolved, with Gary's vehicle receding into the distance, leaving behind a lingering sense of confusion. The strangeness of this occurrence becomes further pronounced upon consideration of the logistics. Gary's presence in Long Island was a reality, yet the vehicle he purportedly occupied during his surreal encounter was a figment of imagination, a phantom that materialized in the absence of Gary's actual car. Compounding the mystery was the uncanny correspondence between the phantom vehicle and the very same make and model that graced Gary's residence in San Antonio. The intricacies of this enigma refuse to be neatly unraveled, presenting a tantalizing conundrum that dances on the edges of comprehension. It is within this atmosphere of unresolved mystery that the events of that fateful night in 1993 unfurl. The initial phone call with its eerie cadence and unnerving resonance stood as a harbinger of an unfolding mystery. In the wake of this perplexing communication, Gary found himself presented with a choice to succumb to the shadows of the unknown or to seize agency and unravel the tendrils of this puzzling narrative. As minutes ticked by, the silence was punctuated by the insistent ring of the telephone, its clamor signaling the arrival of a second call. The echoes of the previous conversation reverberated in Gary's mind, and a sense of recognition developed as he discerned the familiar quality of that unsettling voice. This time, his response carried an air of purpose, an instinctual directive to document and capture the utterances that crawled into his reality. In an act of both defiance and curiosity, Gary's finger descended upon the record button bridging the gap between the corporeal and the transient. 
the mechanical whir of the answering machine's mechanisms assumed an almost ritualistic quality, an invocation of the unknown to become a tangible artifact. As the voice once again infused the airwaves with its cryptic dialogues, the recording bore witness to a convergence of the inexplicable and the concrete, forever etching this short-lived encounter into the annals of Gary's bewildering journey. We'll talk about Call 2 after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So Call 2 was on Monday, February 8th, 1993 at 11.10 p.m. and lasted about 3 minutes and 40 seconds. Gary says, what is your question? Yes, uh, speaking. The voice said, Is this Gary Sudbrink? Gary says, yes. Could I answer any questions for you? The voice said, Are you back from Texas? Gary said, I'm not back yet, no. The voice said, How long are you going to be back from Texas? Gary responded, Let me answer. First, you tell me, where are you calling from? The voice responded, Is this Gary Sudbrink? Gary said, Yeah, why don't you tell me where you're calling from? The voice said, Who is this? Gary responded, What do you mean, who is this? You should know who it is. It's me, Gary. Uh, wait, let me, let me ask you this question. Where are you calling from? Okay, I'll be back. And the voice interrupts. Keep an eye on the skies. Gary says, Excuse me? The voice says, Near Orion. Gary says, I can't hear too well. The voice says, The full moon. Gary says, yeah, there's a full moon out. That's true. Could you identify yourself? Identify yourself. Gary's dad says, ask him what's the purpose of the call. Gary says, why are you calling me? But the voice interrupted. Keep an eye on the skies. Gary says, excuse me? The voice says, you're Orion. Gary says, I cannot hear too well. And Gary's dad said, get on the other phone. It's better. Gary says, hold on, let me switch phones. Okay, okay, hold on. Now, who are you? Keep an eye on the sky, he said. Keep an eye on the sky? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, say that, repeat that again. Please repeat. Okay. Near Orion. Holy mackerel. Tonight or just on when? The full moon. They told you. Repeat. Repeat last word. I'm hearing static. How am I like to do? He hung up. 
As if those two calls weren't enough, the strange caller phoned back a third time that same night. Monday, February 8th, 1993, at 11.38 p.m. This call lasted about 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Gary picks up the phone and says, Okay, yeah, it's taking time for him to talk. Who is this? Steven, I'm gonna. This is not funny, you know. And the voice says, Who is this? Gary's dad said, Brian, it's not Steven. Gary says, What do you mean, Brian? His dad says, I mean, uh, Gary. Gary says, How do I know it's not Steven? Dad says, It's not Steven. Hello? I had a, a UFO experience in West Virginia, which you probably know. And I know that you're inter, uh, an intergalactic person. And the voice says, Who is this? Gary's dad says, Can you speak a little louder? Sir, can you speak a little louder? Louder? Gary said, Let me speak to him, Dad. I guess. I don't know. Gary's dad says, Okay, I'll hang up so you can talk to him. He wants to talk to you. Gary says, Okay, hello. How can I help you? And the voice says, Hello? Gary says yes, and the voice says again, Is Gary Sudbrink there? Gary says, Yes, that's me. And the voice says, Here is Gary Sudbrink. Gary says, Yes, could you please identify yourself? Identify. And the voice interrupts. Are you back from Texas? Gary says, yeah, I'm back. I'm in Texas right now. Well, he asked me a question. The voice says, how long are you? Gary says, no, I'm in New York right now. You know that. Why are you asking me such a question? Gary's dad in the background is heard saying, assuming he's going to call back three times in a row, what are you going to do? The voice says, is this Gary Sudbrink? Gary says, yes, Stephen, if this is you, I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to be pissed. The voice says, who is this? Gary says, huh? Gary's dad says in the background, it's not Stephen. Gary says, I'm trying to listen to him. Who are, excuse me? Dad again in the background. You keep playing games with Stephen and it's not Stephen. Now we hear from Gary's mom. Well, shut the hell up. After a lot of static, Gary says, Okay, eventually I'll be back from Texas. Could you speak more? Please speak more. The voice says, Eye on the sky. Gary says, I guess it's not Stephen. I believe it because I'm getting static. Gary's dad says, Stephen would not leave three times. Gary says, Let let me go on this phone because I could never hear on this phone. Hold on. There's the sound of another telephone line being picked up followed by a quick beep, and the call continues. Hello? Okay, should I go out right now? Right now? Okay, see, I'm not sure where Orion is now, but we'll go outside. show double from me. Repeat that again. The unfathomable web of events that had woven itself around Gary appeared to reach a momentary conclusion that peculiar night as the mysterious phone calls ceased their haunting cadence. 
The shroud of uncertainty lifted, albeit temporarily, leaving an atmosphere tinged with both relief and curiosity in its wake. However, the story was far from over, for the passage of time brought with it the return of the enigmatic caller. A new evening descended, draped in an air of anticipation and intrigue, as the familiar resonance of the telephone's ring resounded once again. The tendrils of the inexplicable, which had seemingly retreated, emerged from the shadows to reclaim their hold on Gary's reality. This time, the cast of characters shifted slightly. Gary's mother, a constant presence in the familial narrative, was notably absent during the fourth and final call. Instead, the stage was shared by Gary's father and Uncle Tom, both individuals whose perspectives and experiences would intertwine in ways that defied the boundaries of the ordinary. It was within this trio that a peculiar commonality emerged, a shared encounter with the extraordinary. Gary's father and Uncle Tom adventured into the realm of the unexplained, their collective gaze drawn upwards to the vast expanse of the night sky. In an event that contrasted starkly with Gary's own experiences, they found themselves united by the sighting of a UFO, a vessel whose origin and purpose remained tantalizing beyond the grasp of human understanding. In the tapestry of the unexplainable, this shared encounter imbued the narrative with an additional layer of intrigue. The association between Gary's lack of direct UFO sightings and the experiences of his father and uncle established a dynamic of mystery and diversity, underscoring the multifaceted nature of the paradox that had nestled itself within their lives. Amidst this backdrop of shared experience and individual variance, the fourth call reverberated through the airwaves, carrying with it an aura of finality. As the mechanical tones of the voice danced upon the recording, each word assumed a weight and significance that defied easy interpretation. In these cryptic utterances, the inscrutable voice assumed the role of a guide, a harbinger of the unknown, beckoning Gary to embark upon a journey of discovery that transcended the boundaries of the ordinary. The language employed by the voice carried an air of cosmic significance, hinting at a realm of knowledge and understanding that extended beyond the limits of human comprehension. As the final call drew to a close, the curtain seemed to fall on this particular chapter of the enigma that had enshrouded Gary's reality. Yet, in its wake, the resonance of the voice's words lingered, an echo that reverberated through the corridors of curiosity and wonder. We'll be back with call four after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Call 4 took place on Tuesday, February 9th, 1993 at 10.21 p.m. It lasted almost four minutes. When Gary picked up the phone, the voice said, Is Gary Sud Sudbrink there? Gary says, Yes, this is me. Can I speak to? Can I ask why? The voice interrupts. Is Gary Sud Sudbrink there? 
Gary says, yes, can I ask why you're calling? Can I please ask? The voice says, is this Gary Sud Sudbrink? Gary says, yes, this is. The voice says, Gary Sud Sudbrink? Gary says, yes, that's me. The voice says, we come to be within this planet. Gary responds, say that again? The voice says, in this planet. Gary says, leave? The voice says, we come. Gary says, I'm standing right here. The voice responds, to be within this planet. Gary says, is this a joke or what? The voice says, to visit the many, something I've been listening to you and I've had contacts with you government interference you have please explain what type of interference dark side of the moon. Okay, um, what branch of the government? What, uh, what should I do? The notion that the mysterious caller's voice may in fact be a recording, an artifact of technology, rather than an embodiment of consciousness, adds an intriguing layer to the perplexing narrative. The cadence and character of the voice do indeed carry an air of mechanical precision, evoking a sensation that borders on the artificial. This observation invites contemplation on the nature of the riddle, a puzzle that may bear the mark of human ingenuity or Conversely, hint at forces beyond the realm of human understanding. 
A careful analysis of the calls yields an oscillation between sameness and variation, as if the voice exists at the intersection of repetition and subtlety. The patterns within the responses paint a picture of complexity that defies the confines of a simple looped recording. While some instances mirror each other with uncanny precision, others bear the imprint of nuanced differentiation, suggesting a degree of adaptability or interaction beyond a pre-programmed script. Intriguingly, the distinct changes in audible volume over the course of the first night's calls echo a curious phenomenon reported in encounters with men in black entities, also known as MIB. As the calls progressed throughout that first night, an eerie metamorphosis in audibility emerged, with the voice seemingly fading in energy and audibility. This auditory phenomenon hints at a narrative progression, an arc that echoes the ebb and flow of tension that often accompanies these types of encounters. This mirroring of patterns within the realm of Men in Black lends a layer of intrigue to the narrative. The semblance of robotic precision that underpins the voice's utterances elicits a sense of detachment, prompting one to ponder the origin and purpose behind such an entity. The suggestion that the voice may be a manifestation of drones under the sway of an unseen presence introduces a new layer of speculation. The concept of these mechanical entities operating under the influence of a hidden directive invites parallels to the world of espionage and intrigue, a realm where the boundaries between human agency and external control blur in a dance of mystery and manipulation. Cut from the cloth of the inexplicable, the voice emerges as both a conduit and a cipher, a medium through which enigmatic forces communicate and a puzzle that eludes deciphering. As the threads of the narrative are woven ever more intricately, the presence of the voice remains an enigma that beckons further exploration. As the final strains of the voice's message faded into the ether, the story of the mysterious phone calls found a temporary conclusion, yielding to the vast expanse of the unknown that awaited beyond the boundaries of the ordinary. That's all we've got for you tonight on Sinister Souls, Episode 4, The Alien Caller. Tell us what you think at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube at cryptique podcast, X at podcast evil, merchandise, crypticpodcaststore.com. And we'll be back Tuesday with another heavy hitter. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.